0: Hello and welcome to the Arsenal way, don't adjust your set. Sky Clark here ahead of the weekend seaside visit to the Seagulls. The Arsenal in full flight ahead of their Amex adventure with three wins from three in the Premier League facing Brighton who sit in a lofty sixth place in the table ahead of kickoff. To give us the lowdown on the magic, Potter is working on the South Coast. We're joined by Sussex lads, Brighton and Hove Albion reporter Richie Mills. Richie, thanks for joining us and... I suppose, as I say, we're going to get the lowdown on Brighton. I say a lofty sixth place, but I suppose for someone who watches them regularly, you'll probably tell me that last season they probably didn't finish where they deserve to in the end.
1: Agreed. First off, I really like the catchy jingle. That's that's great (laughs) stuff. Um, Yeah, I mean, but yeah, so I'd say I would probably be in between though. So Obviously, last season they came 16th and they were labelled the Kings of XG because, you know, they basically got memed because, you know, they just created so many chances and couldn't take them. Whereas this season they're being I think they're the third most in terms of big chances like creation rate, they're like top three. So they've gone from like almost one extreme to the other. So I was kind of expecting more of a middling, you know, mid table type thing. But um yeah, it's uh it's um yeah, they've they've got rid of that Kings of XG, put it firmly elsewhere, and yeah, they're real contenders. It's it's incredible for, for Brighton fans at the moment.
0: Yeah, in terms of that that King of XG kind of thing, uh, it must have frustrated you last season just constantly hearing that. But as I say, this season, they kind of are now living up to to where they were. And a lot of people sort of saying, oh, well, it won't be sustained. It's very early season form type thing. But they are a side who do create an awful lot of chances.
1: Yeah, so it's an interesting one. So last year, um, or last season, I should say, um it was sort of a collective failing from pretty much the whole team bar like two or three players in terms of they were below their xg like uh Mope scored eight goals but his xg was close to 14. uh welbeck scored six but his was close to seven or so aaron Connolly scored two but his was close to five um and in terms of like a midfielder i think pascal gross was the only player to get like three goals and he got and they were all penalties so yeah, this season, they're actually not creating as many chances. But in terms of big chances, they're just being more clinical, which is um, an interesting one. What One thing that most XG kind of experts would say is that it is a good indicator of, you know, if you're ahead of your XG for a while, it will start to level off and then you will maybe get a more accurate picture. But um, I think what Brighton are doing a little bit more this year is just they're just being a bit smarter Um, so often last year they'd have shots and it would be blocked, and um, and I think just they would maybe they would they would be very nice up to the final third and they just wouldn't have enough creativity to break teams down. Um, whereas this season against they've had a they have had a a decent uh, on paper, they have had like an easier run in so far or start to season. Um, but they last season they they um they drew and lost to Sheffield United, who have got relegated. They drew and lost to West Brom. They had two nil nils against Fulham, who got relegated. Um, they basically just really struggled against teams around them, and then got some good results against you know Man City, Liverpool, Spurs, and, and that sort of thing. So yeah, this season they're just it's um, to go to another sport. Uh, in like kind of Team Sky back in the day in cycling, it's kind of marginal gains. Um, And it'll be interesting to see when the fixtures get tougher, how well they do. But um, in terms of like beating the teams that you would sort of expect them to beat, they're doing really, really well. And um, yeah, and and confidence is is really high. And I think just the final point, the Leicester result, because obviously Leicester are a very good team these days, you know, FA Cup holders and uh, charity holders and that sort of thing uh, in Europe. And to beat them, Um, to hold on to that win from being 2-0 up was a a big, big step forward because last year they went 1-0 up against them and lost 2-1 and they actually surrendered more points from winning positions than any other team in the Premier League last year. So, yeah, it's it's a fantastic start. But, yeah, I'm still interested to see against, for example, Arsenal and others how it's going to, if the wheels, well, not the wheels will fall off, but, you know, if their trajectory will be as you know, yeah, if it's going to be
0: sustainable, yeah yeah, I completely get where you're coming from with that I suppose it'll be one of the first real big tests You mentioned Leicester, but Arsenal certainly hitting some real form ahead of this weekend's game and coming off the back of that North London derby win But We've got to talk about the manager, Graham Potter and the job that he's done It feels as though things are beginning now to fully come together for him Of course, when Chris Hughton left, there was obviously a lot of uproar from outside of, of how could Brighton possibly let this manager leave after bringing them up and keeping them up but it has been a change of direction for the club and it looks as though things are really beginning to pay off and, and over the course of the summer of course he was heavily linked with leaving both Tottenham and Everton supposedly on the uh, shortlist for when they were looking for new managers how big is he out to sort of this, this whole project that Brighton are building?
1: Uh, yeah I think it's um important he um it's interesting, I'd say, so around the, the last time that Brighton played Arsenal at the Amex, when obviously um, the Gunners beat them 1-0, the pressure was on Graham Potter. Um, they had a really tough run. They were very close to relegation zone. Um, I think they'd won three, they'd won maybe three games. And actually, yeah, I think, you know, what it took them 21 times, 21 games to win three matches last season, and then they'd done it in the first few games this year. Um but, yeah, so the pressure was on. He was tinkering a lot, changing his teams around. Um, but then in 2021, from then onwards, from the end of the season, Brighton conceded the second and fewest amount of goals in the league. For a team that came 16th, that's, you know, that's incredible. Um, so he, he managed to get a solid foundation with the likes of Lewis Dunk, Adam Webster, and we can come on to him a bit if you are uh, Ben White, obviously. yeah um, sure. And and then from then on, they just they restricted teams to quite few chances, and then they still struggled to score up front, but they just had that solid base and that and they built from it. Um but slowly but surely they, they got some results, they picked up, and then they comfortably avoided relegation. And in the two seasons that Potter has been in charge, he led them to their record high points totals of 41. Um, but also what he's done, and I think maybe it doesn't get talked about enough is the way he's improved players. You I mean, know, so often you get guys who just, oh, just sh- you know, ship loads of money in and, and bring in players and then they improve. But I think the art of just actually being able to just get a player from, you know, not as good to, to very good, like Eve Pesuma, he's, you know, he's come on so much. Adam Webster's, you know, gone from being, you know, championship player to talked about as a potential England centre back. Uh, Lewis Dunks, continue getting better solid march so he's able to that's for for me a very good sign of a coach if you're able to just improve what you've got the current crop you have um and and obviously this season they're they're doing very very well so um people are saying you know if if you had a harry kane or you know a clinical guy up front then wow what would potter's systems be able to do um but yeah so he's definitely and he's also so fun. I don't think he's he's bringing through the youth. So Brighton actually had, I think, gave more minutes than any other club uh, last season to youth academy players. So the likes of Ben White came through, Aaron Connolly um, in his second season, Robert Sanchez, who's now a, who went from being a, a League One loanee in Rochdale um, at the start of 2020 to now being number one keeper for Brighton and he's in the Spain squad, which is just you know mad. Um, Yeah, I thought I was
0: mad myself that he went from, as you say, from Rochdale to the Spain international squad. He was part of the Euro squad, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, and he got his first cap recently Um, So yeah, I think uh, there's still, but I would say though there is still work to be done like he's, I mean in terms of, if if you step back from it, you know, there's been kind of a a 16th place finish and I think a 15th place finish Um, that Tony Bloom, the chairman, wants them to be a, a top 10 club So this season, it's looking like they are sort of making that jump. It will be interesting, like you say, if they can sustain it. But he has, yeah, in terms of bringing through players, academy players, improving players, um, looking like they could be solving some of their issues. Um, So, yeah, he's definitely got the tools to be a very good coach, but I still think he needs to maybe do really well at Brighton maybe get them into the top 10 and then you could maybe look at him potentially going to you know the so-called bigger clubs type thing um yeah but yeah I think for now he's doing a good job very good job
0: yeah no the infrastructure at Brighton is very impressive I'm sure there must even be sort of a, a thinking in the back of his mind that hey I, I could hang around here actually and and do something at Brighton <laughs> We'll have to wait and see how it plays out with with Graham Potter. But you mentioned how he's developed individuals and two in particular I want to talk about. One who plays for Arsenal, one who plays for Brighton. We'll we'll start with the man in the gunner's side, in Ben White, who, of course, made that £50 million move during the summer to Arsenal. Last year, Leeds United were very, very interested. Brighton didn't want to sell at any cost whatsoever. He's come to Arsenal now and there, there was... A few questions asked early on, certainly after his debut against Brentford, but certainly in the last two games, looks as though he really is kind of growing into that Arsenal jersey and such a calming influence at the back. What have you made to, I suppose, his start at life at Arsenal? And, and also, what, what was the feeling from the Brighton fan base when he left? Because as you say, he's someone who's kind of come through the ranks, albeit was farmed out on loan to a number of clubs, before really getting a chance. He was only really in, in the first team for one season, wasn't it? Yep.
1: Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, just start with, yeah, White. um, he, yeah, like I say, he, he did, did the rounds in terms of the football league, you know, he, he, he got rejected by Southampton at 16 and then brought in him by Brighton. Uh, at, I think 19 or so, he went to Newport in league two, was hailed as the best ever loan signing, um, by the manager. Um, he then went to Peterborough for half a season in league one and did the job and then, yeah, was... In Leeds's player of the season and, and played, I think, every single minute of their uh, championship winning campaign. And then, um, obviously, yeah, they fended off, I think, up to a bit of up to 30 million for Leeds. Um, and looking back at it now, that was a very smart decision for Brighton. Um, but yeah, so I'd say, um, yeah, he, he's a very, very talented player. Um, just in terms of some stats, like, I, um, I believe for like, for, for, compared to the England defenders of uh, Connor Cody, Tyron Rings, John Stones and Harry Maguire. He was actually ahead for tackles per 90, um, interceptions as well um, and that sort of thing. So he did, you know, he's not, he's no mug um, and he obviously got an England squad for it.
0: No, I was going to um, say, how, I was just going to say, just, just jumping in there, sorry, Richie, but just jumping in in terms of, Coming to Arsenal, obviously there is a huge microscope on him, and a lot's been made of oh he doesn't win that many aerial duels. But you mentioned there everything he is really good at on the on the ground defending and his pace certainly on the turn of of covering round at Arsenal. Certainly the last couple of games he's been paired with Gabriel, who very much more is kind of the stopper and enforcer who goes and wins those aerial duels, and you can really see the quality of Ben White that is progressing the ball from deep. And as I say. Doing his defensive duties as it is, rather than kind of, I suppose, getting hung up on maybe what he's not so great at.
1: Yeah, so I think just on that point, what um, what allowed I think White to flourish was he had two giants next to him, and Adam Webster six foot three, and Lewis Dunk six foot four, and and they're both actually very good ball playing centres. But White, in particular, so versatile. He played, you know, all pretty much all across the back four, and also many times and did very well at uh, defensive midfield. Um, so he was sort of, they did like the kind of, you know, the more traditional defending work. And then he was allowed to go forward and, and, um, and then be sort of preemptive and and cut out balls, you know, as they tried to. He was very good at stifling attacks before they could properly get going. So he would, you know, run forward on the halfway line and, and cut it out or, yeah, uh, be a bit preemptive there. But he, he definitely, um, there were definitely times when he got like showed up. I think there, there was like a meme of like him getting done by Marcus Rashford, um, Uh, and I still think and Brighton fans would say and I actually do agree that in terms of out and out defending he was the third best defender of those back three with Webster and and Dunk Um, but the fact but I don't think neither of them would have been as good as him when they were 23 so like he's you know Dunk's a very good defender at 29 Webster's a good defender at 26 White is about to turn 24 um, and he's only had one season in the Premier League so his rise has been, yeah, very, very, uh, spectacular. So yeah, I would say like, yeah, definitely give him time. Um, I think he can become a very, very good player and he will improve on, on, you know, some of the kind of things he needs to improve on in terms of the 50 million fee. Uh, that's, yeah, everyone was very happy with that. Um, I think they, you know, they do rate him for sure. Um, but I think in terms of actually keeping onto a player, they I think they were happy to keep on to Eve Basuma in terms of he's a more a key player. But yeah, um, I think so far White looks like, yeah, there's a few things that needs to be ironed out, but there's definitely um, you know, he has the potential to become a key player, I think, for Arsenal.
0: Just a real quick one on White in terms of a tactical sense. You mentioned their defensive midfield, and it was mentioned when he signed that he could play there. Did he ever play kind of in a A midfield two, as it were, with say an Eves Pasuma. Just I'm only thinking because Granite Jack is now out for three months, and there's been a lot of talk around kind of the Arsenal fan base as to who could slot in maybe as a a defensive midfield player alongside Thomas Partey in some of the bigger games. And you're mentioning him playing defensive midfield. I just wonder maybe if if Arsenal might benefit from his versatility in, in that kind of role, or if it's only that he's he's only kind of played as that sole defensive midfield player. If you know what I mean. Um it's a good question. I remember um was, I remember there was one game that he played
1: fantastically and it was defensive midfield and Basuma was out that game and that was against his old club Leeds. Uh he was I think man of the match on that day. But I do think he has uh I think he has played alongside Basuma because Basuma is, is more of a I'd say a box to box midfielder, but he you know, uh last season he topped, I think, in terms of Tackles and interceptions combined, he was, you know, the only player I think above one hundred and fifty. Um, so yeah, White would be a, a you know, a, a deeper line. He would sit back type thing, yeah. and then progressively get forward. But he would not go as far as Basuma. So I think there is a possibility that he could play, um, could play alongside. What would it be maybe the Thomas Party or
0: Yeah, um, yeah, like in a 4-2-3-1, basically, alongside alongside Party. Yeah, that was that was all I was thinking. But you mentioned Basuma, you've you've teased us in a few times. I know a lot of Arsenal fans will be sort of drooling from the mouth at the mention of Yves Basuma's name. I have to say, I for one, having seen him last season, was absolutely amazed that no one came in for him this summer at least kind of tested the waters because we, we we saw I suppose even from the opening weekend of the Premier League season this is a guy of genuine real quality you get to watch him each week just how highly do you rate him
1: I honestly think he just gets better and better every week and he's just got um he's got a swagger about him now he just I mean even like I think last week he said on BBC Sports something on the lines of you know I believe that I have the mindset that I'm the best midfielder in the league um which is obviously a big claim. Um not sure I completely agree but uh he's yeah he he has gone from being, you know, a good player to to person I think Brighton's best player. Um and, and against Crystal Palace when they drew one all they they really missed him. I mean Brighton's midfield was was second best um without him and I think personally just jumping a little bit I think if Basuma doesn't recover from his extended knee injury that he suffered against Leicester this month um sorry last month uh I think Arsenal will will definitely win the game um but yeah in terms of he's yeah he's just he seems to be getting better with each week um he's improving some other bits that weren't as good in terms of like his distribution so he was he was you know he's good at kind of his pass accuracy was very good but it was a lot of it was short passes whereas now he's he's not afraid to sort of ping balls across the pitch and, and stuff like that and and um he, he's getting forward more uh for example against Watford um he ran quite yeah 30 yards or so to to tackle tom cleverly who was 25 yards or so from goal he robbed him of the ball fed mope and mope scored for their first goal against Watford so um, and obviously, and he's still fantastic in terms of tackles and interceptions. I think before this weekend's results, he were um only he and um Wilfred and Deedee of uh Leicester had 10 plus tackles and interceptions. So yeah, he's picked up where he's left off. He's um yeah, I think he's absolutely box office. He's a fantastic player. And uh, like you, I was very surprised that uh, I, I understand that no actual bids were submitted. There's been a lot of a kind of interest, but yeah, um, and I, th- I think Tony Bloom, the chairman, would uh, would reportedly want at least the very minimum of forty million. So it could be closer to fifty or so. Um, but yeah, he's he's a fantastic player.
0: Yeah, he's only got two years left on his his deal, does he not? So by next summer, he gets a the year summer of twenty twenty
1: three, so not even yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, so yeah, next summer it'll be a year left on the deal. Maybe might be prime for the plucking. We'll we'll have to wait and see. Before we go, then Richie, you know how these things work. We get you on to give us the lowdown, and then at the end we both embarrass ourselves with predictions. (laughs) How how do you think the game's gonna gonna play out?
1: I'm going for a gentleman's (laughs) fourteen all. So yeah, I think just I said a little bit earlier. if Pissouma plays, I reckon Brighton. I don't, I, I personally just in terms of like matchups and um, Arsenal have got pace to burn in, in lots of areas and in the current form they're in, even though Brighton doing very, very well. I do feel that if Pissouma plays, they can get maybe a one or draw. But if he doesn't, I think Arsenal will win 2 1. So I'm going to yeah. go and I don't think, uh, just going from, um, Photos that Brighton's website puts out and a video of the training, I didn't see Basuma there, um, which is never a great sign. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't start, and therefore I think Arsenal will win 2 1. What about you?
0: Well, I, I, I'm Brighton. It always makes me I know last year won both games to nil, but it kind of makes me shudder thinking back to that game when we came back from the pandemic and Neil Mopai... <laughs> late on and yeah I, I think there's been so much optimism and positivity around arsenal that maybe we we could be in for a bit of a uh, bring Back to uh, Earth, and I think as we mentioned right at the top, Brighton are going under the radar and a lot better, maybe, than what a few people may well think. But I'm with you; I think Arsenal can maybe scrape it 2-1, but we'll have to wait and see how it does play out. Do make sure to give this video a like and do subscribe if you are new to the channel. But from myself, Guy Clark, and Richie Mills, thanks for joining us here on the Arsenal Way YouTube channel. And don't forget, just keep following us down the Arsenal Way. <laughs> 累了